0: You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, this is a real honor for me to be able to be here this week and to have been asked to bring this chapel this morning. I feel a bit overwhelmed with all that God has done. And I want to honor Him today. I want to glorify His name. There's a scripture that I want you to look at, if you can all see this from back there, that has made an impression on me here lately. And God has been impressing things on my heart lately, and this has been one of them. Instructions that were given to Moses from portions of Exodus 28, you shall make holy garments, for Aaron and his sons, for glory and for beauty, gold, blue, purple, scarlet material, and fine linen, twisted linen, Skilf, skillfully woven onyx stones set in filigree, settings of gold, twisted cordage work, rows of ruby, topaz, emerald, tor- turquoise, sapphire, and a diamond, and an agate, and amethyst, and beryl, onyx, and jasper, set in gold, filigree settings, checkered work, of fine linen, a plate of pure gold on the turban, engraved with holy to the Lord, a tunic, sashes, and caps for glory and for beauty." That's a tremendous passage. Uh shows the beauty of God, His glory, and I think we need to see that again. Something happened to me early on in my life in the discipline of reading through the Bible. And that's an important discipline, young people. I was kind of shocked the other day in a youth retreat where one of the speakers asked how many had ever read through the Bible, and not a one raised their hand. We've become biblically, biblically illiterate, and we're suffering for it and yet we have more opinions about the Bible than we ever have before. As I read through the Bible over the years, it set a course for me. I began to see a strong, persistent current of a holy God that runs through it, and I got in it. That made a difference in my life. I got in it. I grew up in Bolivia. One of the dreams that my brothers and I had was to one day be able to uh, take one of those small rivers in Bolivia and head to the Amazon. We didn't know if we'd ever be able to fulfill that dream. I got a letter from my brother while I was studying in Israel, and he said, I have enough money to have a friend of ours make a boat, and we can go down one of those small rivers to the Amazon River. So I made my way to Bolivia. And uh, as I arrived there, we had the boat made. We started at the Rio Chilo and went on down to the Rio Grande. As we got on the Rio Grande, we had to find another larger boat. It was a Bolivian Navy boat, as you see it here. And we would make our way down this river towards the Amazon still, still in Bolivia. And I began to realize and notice that he was taking this boat from one shore to the other. It was a large river, not yet in the Amazon. He would go to this shore, and then he'd take the boat, clear over to this shore, and then he'd be in the middle, and then back over here, and in the middle, and back over here, and then clear over here again. We had calculated how much time it would take us to get to Belém, Brazil, where we would fly back to the States, and. We figured it'd take us about a month to do the trip, and it was just about that. And, and so I had this goal, this purpose. We needed to keep moving, and I thought he was kind of wasting time going from one shore to the other. And I asked the pilot, and they would go day and night. I said, why is it that you're doing this, going from one shore to the other and then in the middle and again to another shore? And he said, if you look carefully in the water, he said, there's... There's a current that runs differently. And he said, I have to stay in that current. And then he looked at me and he said, hay un río en el río. There's a river in the river. And he said, if I don't stay in that river, he said, we will hit rocks. I urged him to stay in the river, in the river. (laughs) We hit rocks that night or the night after And that's another story. But what I've found is that if we do not stay in this river, in the river that you find in Scripture, we will hit rocks. And we're finding a lot of people hitting rocks these days. If we're not seeing this, and I couldn't see it. I looked. He was trying to point it out to me. I didn't seem to have eyes for it. He did, at least going during the day. If we could see this, and oh, how we need to see it, and really get in that stream, that river in the river, and begin to speak to it in a different way in these days where there's so much confusion, so much that's going on, where people are hitting rocks, If we don't begin to see it, we do the whole of Scripture a disservice. We do the church a disservice. We do every Christian a disservice. It ought to fill our language, and it ought to fill our lives as we begin to see this river in the river. And it runs through everything in Scripture doesn't matter what you study. You can study marriage and family. If you don't see this river in the river that runs through it, it won't amount to much. You can study finances. You can study sexuality. You can study anything you want in Scripture. If we don't, don't see this river in the river, we will hit rocks. This current runs through the Old Testament, clear and strong. The psalmist saw it, and he called the people to worship the Lord in holy array. It gives the idea of that scripture we read earlier. The priests were to be robed in this, in color, in the color of God. This was who God was, and he wanted to show himself to us this way. And so he said, we need to worship the Lord in holy array, which speaks of the splendor, the beauty of God's holiness. He's a holy God. This current cascades into the New Testament with a thundering might, causing writers like Peter to say, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy." We're not talking about something that's a pet peeve of ours. We're talking about a holy God and getting a hold of His splendor and His beauty and His glory and saying, Lord, I want to see that. I want to see what that looks like. You see, God isn't red. He isn't yellow. God isn't black. And God isn't white. He's holy. God is holy. That's his color. And men and women were baptized in this current, and this is the joy of Christianity. This is the map of Christianity. How can we not see it? Probably the most revealing commandment that Jesus gave, given right before his ascension, was Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, which means the very nature of God, the very color of God. Baptize them in my color, in my nature. The color of the Father, the color of the Son, and the color of the Holy Spirit, teaching them. To observe all that I have commanded you." And the key word here is baptizing. John R. Cross in his book, The Stranger on the Road to Emmaus, notes that a common meaning of the word baptize originated in the early Greek textile industry. In the process of dyeing fabric, a piece of cloth which plunged into a vat of dye whereby it took on the color of the pigment, and the cloth was totally identified with the dye. That's what we're talking about, being baptized in the color of the Father. And God is keen on his name, that we not diminish it, that we not dishonor it. The Lord's prayer begins with our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. It's in the active voice, which means it's not just a matter of saying so. It's a matter of living this, a matter of being a testimony to his holiness in our lives. This is his color, and he said, I want you to show my colors. Growing up in Bolivia, as born and raised there and being around other kids and the such, every once in a while you'd hear a phrase as kids were playing together and there might be an adult around where they would point the finger at one of the children that was misbehaving and they'd say to them, malcriado. Or malcriado means raised bad. And so what they were doing when they were pointing the finger at that child was really not pointing the finger at the child. They were pointing the finger to a parent or parents. And God is saying, don't you do that with me. My name is Hallowed, and I want you to live such a life so that people know what my color is, that they can see it, that you have been baptized in my name. Probably one of the most disconcerting statements recorded in Scripture was made by Jesus. He made a lot of disconcerting statements, but this beats all when he said, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father. Is perfect. And in all our attempts to soften the meaning of this verse, we are in danger of diminishing God's color. It's bright with sharp, clear beauty. The word perfect is the Greek word which speaks of wholeness, it speaks of purpose, it speaks of proper function, in that we're doing what God intended us to be and we're acting in His design. Jesus uses this word in the context of love, pure and expressive love that doesn't just love one's neighbor but one's enemy as well. And suddenly and strongly, Jesus has given to us the very heart and power of our witness, perfect love flowing out of the heart of a holy God, the very color of the Father, and anything less is false and at best faulty. And as we love our enemy, it doesn't mean that they will necessarily love us. But we pour ourselves into their lives and know that even though they may not like some of the things about us, yet we will give ourselves as much as we can to them. And Jesus did that for us. Baptized in the color of the sun, the apostle Paul captured Jesus' color, when he wrote, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. As John put it in John chapter 1, a man full of grace, and full of truth, and I like his color. Jesus was free from the drive of self-preservation. He was free from the drive of self-promotion and free from the drive of self-preference. And baptized in his name, we take on his color. Sarah and I, my wife, and I were in Kenya a few years ago, for our first time, and we met a lady by the name of Alice Mutai. And she told us the story of her mother. She said that she, Alice, was the first child. Her first child, rather, was a girl, and then her mother had twins. One died and one lived. One of those was Alice. She then had triplets, and all of them died. After this, she had sextuplets, and all died. She then was pregnant again with quadruplets. There was a nurse there with World Gospel Mission by the name of Edna Borov. She had delivered thousands of babies. She heard this story, and she came into this scene and gave herself to these babies with everything she had, began to take care of the mother and her children. Edna left a beautiful witness, invited the mother to church, and she told her children about the invitation, explaining that we're going to be learning about Jesus. And Alice asked, who's Jesus? Her reply was, you know how Edna smiles? Puts her arms around us and loves us. That's Jesus. Alice's mother had one more child, the seventh that survived. And all seven are in the ministry today because someone demonstrated the color of God in some, for someone else to see and see its splendor and its beauty, its joy baptized in the color of God, the Holy Spirit. And Paul describes his color saying, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And Paul is saying, you can carry his colors. We can carry his colors. And this is what makes Peter exclaim, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, that you might be colored with God having escaped the corruption that is in the world by loss. He saved us from that, and he brought color into our lives. And our prayer should be, color me holy." And the question comes, and it has come to my own heart, have we prayed that? Have we prayed that, really prayed that? Do we believe it possible? that God would want to give his color to me and that I can look like him. And I'll tell you, young people, our witness depends on this color of God all over us. I remember long ago when I was starting to pastor the church I pastored for 26 years. The superintendent of the denomination or of the conference was coming to hear me preach. I was young, and I was a nervous wreck, and I wanted to be able to show to him that at least I could say something. And I worked on this thing, and I got up to preach and thought I'd done a good job. And uh, a few days later, we were taking a trip together somewhere, and he was driving. We conversed about different things, and all of a sudden, he just kind of glanced over at me, and he said, Hubert, I heard you preach. Well, I was getting ready to have a pat on the back and feeling good about myself, about what he might say that, that was positive, and uh, I just remained quiet, and he said again, I, I heard you preach, Hubert, and... He said, you don't have any unction, do you? That went through me like a knife. It made me angry. And what he was saying was, you don't have the Holy Spirit, do you? You don't have the color of God, do you? And I didn't like to hear it. And so I said nothing because I knew if I said anything, it wouldn't come out right. And so I kept quiet. I was angry, and I thought he had no right to talk to me like that. I got home, and I went into the kitchen. Sarah was there, and I told her what he had said, thinking that she would support me. I married Sarah to support me, (laughs) to help me, you know, to encourage me. She said nothing, just looked at me. I hung my head and walked over to the church, and I stood on the platform, and I just looked up at the ceiling as a 26-year-old pastor. And I said, Father, is what he said true? As quickly as I'd asked the question, I sensed in my heart a yes, it's true. I got off of the platform, and I went to the front pew, and I knelt down, and I began to pray like I had never prayed in my life. And I asked God to do something in me because he had already been talking to me, and I had refused to listen. (laughs) And friends, that's what we find. Why don't we want this color? Why don't we like this holiness? What is it about us that seems to just push it away? And that day I said, oh, Father, I need for you to do something in my heart, and I'm going to stay here until I know you've done it. And I prayed, I I remember the prayer that Paul prayed, and I don't compare myself to Paul, but where Ananias was told by God, and I like the King James here, here, it says, go see him. He's been praying for three days and three nights. I want you to go see him, for behold, He prayeth. Now, he was a Pharisee. Pharisees prayed. He'd no doubt prayed a thousand and more prayers. But it's as if God is looking down on him and he's saying for the first time in this man's life, he's really, really praying. I felt like I was doing that. I said, Lord, you've got to help me here. And he came. He spoke to me. A hymn came to my mind, came to my heart, by Phoebe Palmer. Oh, now I see the crimson wave, the fountain deep and wide. Jesus, my Lord, mighty to save, points to his wounded side. I see the new creation rise. I hear the speaking blood. It speaks polluted, nature dies, sinks neath the cleansing flood. I rise to walk in heaven's own light above the world and sin with heart made pure and garments white and Christ enthroned within. The cleansing stream I see, I see, I plunge. And oh, it cleanseth me. Praise the Lord, it cleanseth me. It cleanseth me. Yes, it cleanseth me. I saw the river in the river, and I said, Lord, I want to not only see it, I want to get in it. I want to swim in it, I want to know what it is to be baptized in the name of the Father. I want to know what it is to be baptized in the name of the Son. I want to know what it is to be baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit. And young people, the world desperately needs to see this again, to see the very color of God in our lives. But it's the God who actually touches us and he changes us and he brings his color into us. We need new blood who clearly see this river and we need new blood who joyfully swim in this river and we need new blood who knowingly speak about this river in the river. Oh, may God raise up even from here those of you who begin to see the river in the river. Many of you have, but you've gotten in it. But then to articulate it, be able to speak to what the holiness unto the Lord is all about. What in the world is it? Well, God says, I want to give it to you. (laughs) And I want you to be able to testify to it. And I want you to be a witness to it. Because when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses. You'll be a witness to my color. (laughs) Well, thank God. I don't know if that's helped you. But that has helped me that you can know His color. You can know His color.